This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. G'day, everybody. I hope you're going well. I've got a conversation to share with you featuring Trevor Phipps from the group Unearth. Now, the catalyst for the conversation is due to an Australian tour. I'm saying that a little bit more often now, aren't I? Having a conversation because of an Australian tour. Thank God a lot of the COVID bullshit is behind us. The lads in Unearth are playing Adelaide, Brisbane, Canberra, Newcastle, Sydney, Melbourne, all the usual places. I think they're going to New Zealand as well, but don't quote me on that. Check online guides. And hopefully I'll be catching up with the lads this Saturday night if I can make it to their gig at the zoo in Brisbane. Throughout this conversation, of course, we discuss the tour, but we talk career, longevity, the member who has decided to step out of the group. We talk about some of the reasoning around that, so we don't actually dive into the reasons proper because that was unnecessary. And we actually talk a lot about the blabbermouthing, if you like, of the metal media industry and how unnecessary it is. But it's here to say, so what can we do? Heaps of other cool stuff for you to wrap your ears around. I have not selected a tune for your listening pleasure. Go online, go onto Spotify and check out the group if you want to hear what they sound like. But this is a very, very good conversation from the perspective that Trevor's a smart fella. He's willing to go there. I'm doing this a bit more often now, people. I'm just going to ask the questions that I think I want to ask and I think need to be put out there. And if someone doesn't want to answer them or doesn't want to go down a particular line of conversation, then we just won't do it. We'll just find another topic to talk about. But Trev was on point throughout this one here. So here he is, Trevor Phipps from Unearth. Enjoy. What's up, man? Hey, mate. We finally catch up. How are you? Doing pretty well. Yourself? Yeah, good, good. Uh, Just buddy working, mate, and just trying to get my... uh... My master's course content for my master's done, so never a dull bloody moment, I can assure you. Good luck. <laughs> how are you guys? Uh, how are you guys feeling about the tour? Very excited. It's the first time in eight years, man. So happy to come back. And, you've, uh, you've been here about ten times, though, haven't you, or something like that? You've been here eight times in Australia. Yeah, we started for the first time was two thousand five, and we front loaded it. We went almost every year for. Uh, a bunch of years then last time was 2015 so happy to come back what do you what do you put the the success down to was it just a good relationship with the promoter but obviously you had a core group of fans that were willing to pay to come and see you as well and it certainly wasn't an era where heavy metal was as popular as it as it is now back in those days yeah, it was it was a pretty good era man we uh first time was us and atreyu in 05 and uh norma jean and that that was really popping off world, worldwide, like the, the whole metalcore thing, you know, early days metalcore or mid two thousand metalcore. Um, mm-hmm. And we went back the very next year. It was us, Killswitch, and Lamb of God. And then two thousand seven, we did our first headliner, and we took uh, Walls of Jericho. And uh, yeah, two thousand nine, we came back again for Soundwave. Soundwave was a huge fest back then. So mm-hmm. and then we came. Again, in 2010, the headline was it was a co headliner. I'm sorry, uh, some Black Dahlia Murder. 2012 was um, Soundwave again. So it's there's some festival tours, some really strong tours, a couple headliners in there. So uh, we were putting out a lot of records back then. We were really touring pretty heavily, about eight nine months a year mm-hmm. at that point of our career. So uh, we just really we're just going for it, just trying to tour as much as possible. And uh, we've had some some downtime with the with the the forced, the forced downtime with the pandemic, like all bands did, and uh, mm. we're happy to get back out there. 
Yeah. How have you how have you survived burnout during that period with all of that work? All, all the all the touring. I mean, oh, we yeah, were, all the touring. Yeah, we were twenty. We were in our twenties, so it was, it was fine. You know what I mean? So it was it was it was nothing. It was uh, it was everything we, that we always wanted. You know, we we toured. We got to see the world and um, play music. People that enjoyed what we we had written. So it was it was really really fun and. Uh, We've been doing it still since, but just haven't been to Australia many times um, mm. since. So it's uh, it's one of our favorite favorite places in the world to to play, and um, I'm happy to come back. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, in terms of the sort of show, sorry, I've got to ask this question, otherwise people will lash me if I don't. But <laughs> if you yeah. considering the sort of show, are you at a point where potentially you could even look at your set as a bit of a greatest hits, or are you more focused on your material? So the 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 touring we've, we've been doing because we have Mike Justin back on drums and he played on two of our our, our most uh, well received records, uh, the Oncoming Storm and in the in the Eyes of Fire. Uh, the the set list has been kind of heavily leaning towards those songs. Mm. I wouldn't say it's the greatest hits. It's more like a you know a celebration of Mike being back in the band. But this tour, you know, we haven't announced it yet, but we are playing a new song. It's going to be released during the tour. Um, we're actually shooting a video in Japan and it's going to come out uh, on the 23rd of January. Um, you know, all the streaming services, whatever. It's our first single. Uh, it's called The Wretched. It's called the, the Wretched, The Ruinous. And it's the title track of the new record. Um, so that, that'll be played live every night. So the, the set list will have a bunch of songs from the early days when Mike was in the band, but also it's got, it's got songs from most records throughout, throughout the rest of the set. It's, it's a pretty long set. So I understand Ken's out these days, Mike's back. And in what way has that changed the musical dynamic? Do you feel like as though you're standing in front of a much heavier outfit? Um, I feel like we have more freedom to play the songs that we want to play. Um, Sometimes people get in kind of a pattern. They get they get used to playing certain songs, and they they push certain songs for a set. This this lineup allows us the freedom to play whatever songs we want in our catalog. And we're we've dipped into some songs we haven't played in 10, 15 years. We're playing a song called "The Charm," which is off our second EP that came out back in two thousand two. Um, just stuff like that that we're and we're playing a song called "Blood Lost of the Human Condition," which we don't often play. Um, we're just we're throwing songs in there that you know have been objected to for a long period of time and songs we enjoy playing quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, Overall, I'd say that the set is, is a bit heavier than we've been playing, you know, the past eight, eight, nine years. Hmm. What are your thoughts on talking about the new material? So you got a new song that you're debuting, but does obviously I haven't heard it yet, but does the, will the track hint at, future directions in songwriting in other words are you doing things new or are you consolidating the band's sound so to speak uh the new record uh it's pretty vicious man it's um basically if, if you if you you can kind of c- combine all of the elements that we've brought to the table since the early days and, and you can find it on this record but if you're going to compare it the most heavily to anything it's you're going to hear a lot of watches of rule in there you're gonna hear elements of the march, um, if, if 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 you know these records, and there's there's definitely the direction we're going in, 
um, for a bunch of songs on extinctions, uh, the songs that Buzz was more heavily writing. Um, mm-hmm. That's the style that this record is, and it's it's an advancement of those. And what Buzz did this record was he he wrote all the all, all the music, and because we had all that downtime, that forced downtime, he he forced himself to to write differently. Um, he wouldn't lean on certain elements that were comfortable, that are kind of his starting point, his jumping point in guitar. Um, so I don't believe there's a sweep on the record, but there's a lot of guitar work on the record that is different for him. So he pushed himself in directions, just kind of better himself as a player, um, and which in turn bettered himself as a writer, which then further in turn, push me to be a better vocalist because we're just we, we're pushing our sound it's our eighth record uh so 25th year as a band we we just wanted to make it something that stood out from the rest and every band tries to make every record better than the last but i think we had the the time to do it and the, the focus um and with it being more of a concentrated outfit uh we really focused on it we had four guys working on this record uh, i should say five with uh will putton was uh mm-hmm. uh he was, he was great as the producer uh, but me and Buzz uh, and Crystal Tool um, and uh, and Nick on drums and then Will Putney, uh, we really focused all together in the studio and and uh, we're really proud of these songs and we are very much looking forward to people hearing them. Have you thought of potentially working with someone? I know you're talking about working with Will there, but Eric Rutan someone who's really got that pedigree, that death metal pedigree, because some of your stuff borders on that. Has that ever been in a conversation amongst the band members? Uh, we respect Eric Rutan quite a bit. We, we toured with Hate Eternal uh, back in 2010, I think it was. Uh, it was Breed did a headlining tour that took us, and they took Cannibal, uh, Hate Eternal, and um, uh, Born of Osiris. It was a killer tour. Uh, but we, we are really having a great time with Will. Uh, this is our second record with Will, um, and he's he seems to know our band inside and out, and he really does help us uh, get to that that finish line when we have an idea. Um, he's very helpful with vocals, with lyrics. Uh, I'll have of my my vision. I give it to him first, and we just kind of go back and forth. We trade we we trade ideas, and, and of course, you know the band's been around so long. He'll of course lean into what we are feeling the most, mm-hmm. but he will come up with ideas and be like, Hey, this, you know, and this, this song and th- on this record, you did this, what about trying this? So he, he's well-versed in our catalog and what we can do as players. And so it's, it's very helpful for us to, to have someone like that in our corner. So uh, I would love to work with Will again. And uh, Rutan's great, man. So um, wouldn't mm-hmm. rule out work in the future, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put, he's definitely our guy right now. Yeah. No, I get it. Do you, do you feel like as the the band is approaching something resembling healthy middle age? In other words, do you feel like as though you're so far into a career as a working musician, as a recording artist, that the end there's not really an end in sight? And I'm just sort of bringing us both back because I think we're both the same age in our mid forties. It was almost unheard of, even if you're in the United States in the mid nineties when you guys sort of started, that you could have a career. But here you are, all these years later, doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's we've kind of played our cards in a way where we 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 realized in our twenties that that was the time to go do eight eight nine months a year, and then we kind of 
picked and choose and, and choose their battles as the years went on. And yeah, yeah we still remained full time, but it wasn't nine months a year. We weren't we weren't going to burn ourselves out. We realized where records were. Records weren't selling. Um, they're streams now, so there's not going to be this influx of money from an advance from the label to keep you keep you going. So you got to find work at home. You got to pick the right tours. You got to find a job that's going to let you go on tour. And it's it's a it's a balancing act for bands that reach beyond you know the early to mid thirties when you kind of got to figure out life beyond your twenties. Hmm. Um, and that might seem seem like a roundabout answer, but man, we've we've had to do a, a lot of juggling, a lot of a lot of uh, reinventing of ourselves personally to maintain this project to keep it going and a lot of bands do that not 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 every band survives and some bands come back for their reunion shows every five six years but we've never done that we just wanted to be the band that's looked at like a cannibal corpse or a slayer a band that just keeps on going just tour yeah. you know you see bands like obituary and exodus having like a a second or a third heyday because people respect the band that just kept on going and kept on putting out good record after good record and never called it, you know, a farewell tour or a reunion tour. We're just out there doing our thing, and we we really enjoy it. And we're 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 very lucky to have a career around the world where you know fans fans around the world care about our band enough that we continue to tour. Um, and it seems like things are are getting better. Um, the tours are getting bigger. The the offers are getting better. Um, so streams are getting higher. Uh, social media is getting better. So. It's it's hard work on our side, but it's also the support of the people around us from our fans to, you know, booking agents, managers, labels and stuff. So as long as we see it through and, and we keep writing songs people care about, then I can see us doing this until we're, you know, old men, hopefully. You've earned the right to pick and choose your packages at this point in time. So if you were to pick a package that contained the ultimate bill, so you guys with the bands that, you collectively would say these are the bands that you want to tour with. What would that package look like? Uh, first, the headline. Uh, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. You you make a decision on that front. Go for it. <laughs> I kind of know our place. I mean, we, we had a, a great time coming up with bands like Black Tie, Murder, Darkest Hour, um, bands that are, are, are we trade sizes throughout the years it's, that that doesn't really matter with bands that are bigger like lamb of god and Killswitch engage these are great friends of the bars always love touring with those guys um every time i die a band that's currently defunct love touring with them so these these are bands that you know for our forever tours i'd want to be on tour with these guys uh leading through this band as well god god forbid shadows fall these are all bands that we came came up with we did a million tours with and we it'd be great to do a, a tour with them um in the future, we just did some dates with Killswitch Engage recently, um, up up in the Northeast in the USA, and shows are slamming, packed two, three thousand people a night, and it's it's our fan base, it's their fan, base. it's 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 a lot of fun, um, but we do like a lot of what's coming up now. You know, there's a lot of great bands. You know, of course, you have your your uh, Knocked Loose and you know, Power Trip is, is is coming back, but Spirit World, uh, Spirit Adrift, the Spirit bands everywhere. Uh, but these bands sound drastically different, but they're both fucking killer. Um, you know, there's Enforce, there's, 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 so, there's so many great bands that are out there right now that it's, it's we're we're happy to be part of the, the touring circuit. And um, 
you know, it's it's hard it's hard it's hard to to pick one band. But man, my my favorite band that I, I listen to in, in modern day right now is is Spirit of Drift. Okay. Uh, it's more 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 heavy rock metal. But man, I think they just write banger after banger, and uh, I, I I love to tour with them. Hmm. You've you've worked with we've talked about Rutan, but you've actually worked with some other uh, death metal and just call them heavy metal. I just use that term these days as the catch-all for it all because really that's what it is. But heavy metal luminaries and people that have helped forge the genre as it is today. And one of those fellas is Gene Hoglan, who drummed for the group uh, back in two thousand and seven. So. Excuse me. I could find a little bit of literature online about that tour, but tell me about working with Gene. And was it ever discussed him actually stepping into the drum stool, even at least in the studio, almost as a member? Yeah, man. He uh, so we we met Gene. Uh, there's a tour in the USA in 2005 called the Sounds of the Underground tour, and we were sharing a bus with Opeth, and their their drummer had some health problems. They had to send him home halfway through the tour, and strapping in a ladder was also on that tour, and so. Uh, Gene stepped in in 24 hours notice, learned 30 minute Opeth set. The music's pretty progressive. We were impressed. That's kind of stuck with us. Fast forward two years, we parted ways with Mike Justin mid tour. And uh, we realized where we were in the country. We were we played Seattle and we were going to be in Vancouver the next day. We knew that Gene was living in Vancouver. So we called him right up. Like, hey, man, you want to fill in for this tour? And we were already friends with him because he, he he did ride in our bus when we shared the bus with Opeth, you know, two years mm. prior. So we had this you know rapport with him. And he said, Yeah, Daddy O. <laughs> so so he he we rehearsed with him in, in Vancouver and we finished the rest of that tour in the States. And he was great. Um and towards the very end of the tour, we we did ask him. Um Ken and I sat him down, hey man, we love working with you. Would you consider uh working with us in the future. And he said he would love to, but he's a professional thrash drummer. He's, uh, I believe he said he's got his, his hands in, in, in a lot of different pots. So he mm-hmm. couldn't commit to the full-time touring we were doing at the time. So it was, it was a polite no, uh, but, you know, with, with good reason. But he didn't stop at that tour. He continued to tour with us for a couple of tours after. And we actually did uh, go to Australia on a headlining tour with him in 2007. Oh, uh, okay. We did. We did uh, Australia, I think we did New Zealand uh, and Alaska. Um, yeah, he was great. Well, he was a pleasure to tour with, a uh, great human being and an uh, amazing drummer. From, from that, you were, uh, from that point there to the next one, okay, so the, the Abbott brothers, okay. So I think you guys have been asked about this a little bit in interviews, but what can you share about your tour with Damage Plan? Because, I mean, that's the tour that ended in complete tragedy, isn't it? I mean, it might not have been the leg that, that you that, were on, but, yeah. that Well, yeah, not our leg. The the leg, um, they did it the leg later that year with Shadows Fall, but the Shadows Fall date ended, I think, two or three days before that. And it, you know, it was actually on the way home. Just doing a headliner with um, yeah. local bands. Um, but we did seven weeks, seven plus weeks with Damage Plan in the spring of 2004. And uh, they took us under the wing like they'd known us for over 20 years. Like we were best friends out of the gate. We were first of four on that tour. And they took care of us, uh, treated us like we we're you know best buds forever, which is the coolest thing because they were our heroes. Uh, we all grew up listening to Pantera, of course. And then for them to act like we were best buddies just blew, blew our minds. Um, Dime was a larger-than-life personality. Like everyone's seen, you've seen the, the, uh, the home videos. He was like that every day. 
and his memory was like a steel trap. He could remember anything, no matter if he was super intoxicated or, or sober, he would remember everything, which is the weirdest thing. Like, man, you were hammered when that happened, but you still recalled it you know, better than most <laughs> people. Wow, it was, it was really cool, man. But he, uh, we have stories for days what what, what they what they did with us, but it was just it was uh, it was a lesson on how to tour, and they treated us so well um, as the opener, like I said, and. You know, we we tried to replicate that our entire career, and I think it's part of the reason why we've we've been able to stick around because the music business. If you're not well liked by your peers, then you kind of get kicked out. You know, even though they people can't really kick you out if you, if you have a lot of record sales, but they can kind of push you out and make things uncomfortable. And I like to think that our our rapport with our our peers and you know the younger bands coming up has helped us you know maintain a, a 25 plus year career. Yeah, and I, I would some some of that to uh, touring with the Abbott brothers. Mm. I don't think what has been talked about, and I, I, we, we know the reasons that the, the tour ended in tragedy overall. Like the promotion of the initial the debut album, there, newfound power for the group ended in tragedy. But I don't think that the group are going to stay together for that much longer afterwards because there was a lot of tension between the Abbott brothers and also Pat Lockman. Did you witness any of that? We did not. Um, we were on, it was their first tour uh, on that record, and the, the record came out and did really well. I'm guessing, uh, if, if memory serves, it was 40,000 plus first week, which is pretty good. Um, the first couple of shows in that tour were, were massive. I think we played in front of 7,000 people in Massachusetts. It was one of the first shows, the kickoff. Mm. Dallas show was, you know, close to that size. It was So it was a really good tour. Like, every night was... was uh, was like a home run um you know I, you know if there was stress after that with you know maybe the people starting miss pantera I, I don't know I, I wasn't part of it um i i heard from dime three days before he got killed um i got a voicemail from him um i was helping my mother-in-law move and they were played like two two or three hours away um so i'm forever regretful that i missed the opportunity to hang out one last time um but uh, yeah, I mean they they seemed happy. The guys, our, our brothers in Shadows Fall, had a great time on the tour with them. Um, so I, I'm not aware of any stress. I will agree with you that I do believe that the pressure to get Pantera back together probably would have uh, happened a lot sooner if a tragedy didn't happen. Um, I think that maybe they would have buried their hatchet, um, but that's history that was that never was allowed to happen. Yeah, the uh, certainly not making light of the tragedy. There's no question about that. So when I say this, I'm just want to keep it in perspective. But the the great thing about their history is they've got no duds. Okay, so their history is it's one block. They've got those killer five or six albums, depending on when you want to say that the career started in the '80s or the '90s. There, and uh, it's forever set in stone. Now they're legendary, a bit like Jeff Beck, who just passed away. You know, no duds. It's all immortalized now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they could have they could have stayed bro- broken up like like Led Zeppelin, you know, mm. no duds ended on a high note. Um, was other bands kind of you might write a few duds here and there, but yeah, P- Pantera is my favorite band. Um, I don't I don't see that changing. Um, you know, I can have modern day favorite bands like Spirit or Drift, but mm. nothing touched Pantera for me because it was it was my you know formative years you know, as a mm. teenager and then. Into my uh, you know, 
early 20 early early to mid 20s um and then getting a tour of them just is, is the you know not pantera but time of any was yeah. some of the coolest shit. It, you know later that summer we got the tour with on on um Ozfest and, and super joint was on that so within a three-month period we got the tour with th- three of the four pantera members for long periods of time i think like a combined 15 weeks so it was, it was pretty cool for us and we and that we, we were there was a third, you know, three, three and a half plus years of touring full time. Um, so it was, it was kind of a cool milestone for us that like, man, we're touring with our heroes. And of course, Black Sabbath is out there and Priest and Slayer. So it was, mm. it was, uh, it was good fun. <laughs> I'll make this my last question for you. Okay. So I'm going to go, going to go really broad now. As I say, you've been doing this as long as anybody now, particularly, particularly playing metalcore. But if you're going to go back to when you started out in the mid 90s, what advice would you give yourself? In nineties. Um, I think the one thing that, that might have hurt us, um, I guess in the long run it, it's paid off, which was kind of where my head is at currently, but we toured so much from 2002 until 2009 that because it had become our career, when opportunities stopped coming that, or things, sometimes bad luck happens. We had a, like a group of tours around 2009 time frame that would have been massive, but things happened where the tours got canceled before they got announced or they got canceled last minute. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did tours to make up for that, where as long as you're cast in a good light, it seems that, the momentum keeps on moving forward. So we we did some tours around 2009, 2010 that I don't think we should have that might have hurt us. So hmm. I think the, the best advice for young band is if you have 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 momentum, don't take something that's going to hurt that momentum because it's hard to get it back. We're hard nosed enough where we kept on going. We've literally have gone through a roller coaster for a career. It's 25 years, and we have. We've had multiple high points and multiple low points, but I feel like we're, it's clear that things are going up again because we care about the band so much. And we, we really just, this is what we want to do. And so we can't, if not everyone's on board in the band, as you see, we've had a few member changes. If, if not everyone's on board to have that same mentality, then it's hard to keep a group of guys together. Uh, guys, guys, girls, doesn't matter. I mean, I'm not trying to be sexist here. Uh, a, a group of people together to write, and tour and be together on the road and have the hard times in the van, have the times when you played a room to a thousand people and you come back a few years later and there's, there's 80 people. But then five years later, there's a thousand people again. It's, hmm. it's a weird emotional thing to go through. It's like, man, do people, people like us or not, but it's, it's all about the moment. It's all about the work you put in. And sometimes you catch fire. Sometimes you don't, but if you love it, you, you can't quit. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, look, in, the, in this world, the metal media industry revolves around blabbermouths. So when members like Ken leave, it tends to be the, the only news that makes blabbermouth and makes these other fucking sites that trade off clickbait and get paid for advertising because of it. Fans have just got to be smart enough, I think, to realise that bands are no different to any other workplace and you have people that come and go. There's always one or two people at the head of it. I 
I've had almost 800 conversations now. So, and I've dived really deep into the Cradle of Filth universe. If you're familiar with that band, they've had something like, it's certainly over 40 tenured members. Okay. And the reasons are always different, but the music's the most important thing. And as long as fans have got, as long as you've got the main songwriter still present and the band sound doesn't change too much and yours hasn't and it won't, fans have just, just got to be more appreciative, I think, at times. But uh, that's another conversation altogether, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, with our with our stuff, you know, we 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 haven't spoken much about it. Um, with out of respect for Ken, it's more than what he's saying. Um, mm. But we have such a long history, such you know, such a long brotherhood that we don't want to talk poorly about him. He's a huge part of this band. He's always going to be a face of the band the band is in a better place currently without him in the band and we wish him the best of luck doing what he's doing but it's not not everything is as he has says it has gone and but we're not going to say anything bad bad about him he's great great guitar player great tourmate for a lot of years but this was a long time coming us splitting we're unsure if it's forever because he's such a big part of the band a big big face but we are happy um as the five guys we are right now with myself and Buzz and Chris. Chris has been in the band now nine years. Mike Justin back on drums. And then Peter Lehman on guitar, who's who played guitar for us in 2005, the first time in, in Australia. So he's he's not really new to the band. He's, he, was a, he was a fill-in in the mid-2000s um, for Buzz, which is funny enough. But Buzz couldn't tour with us full-time back then as much. And Peter was one of our fill-ins. Um, he was going to be in the band if, if Buzz couldn't continue. Um, so there's a lot of ties to what what where on earth was back then where we are now and it feels it feels great on stage feels great on the road and uh we've been is, is uh in a much much better place mm. this certainly isn't advice i mean you're the bloke in the center of it all but uh well, you know one of the blokes at the center of it all but what i've observed is that whilst the band sorry whilst the band is an entity that's ongoing in other words you're still playing live you're still releasing things always take the high road okay when the band breaks up, when it ceases, that's when you can actually say, this is actually what happened back then, this sort of thing. That always seems to work best because just this, as I say, this media climate these days, it's not its not just blabbermouth, by the way. It's almost all of the medium, it was all of the metal mastheads that accept advertising revenue trade in bullshit for the most part. For fans to get real news, they've actually got to come to us. They've got to come to the independent podcasters that aren't getting paid for it. We're just doing it because we love it. It just seems to be the world that we that we live in these days. But yeah, that's been my observation. Whilst the band is ongoing and is still relevant as a recording entity, always take the high road. It's afterwards. Let the book come out and let the fun and games begin. So it, exactly. So if the band is moving forward, the only news that you really need to put put out there is moving forward news. Hmm. If you if you if you dwell on negative stuff people are just going to start talking and making up stories and making their own reality for what something is so if, if we just say hey we've parted ways whatever the story is but this is a record this is a tours this is us this is a video that's going to keep people talking about the band and so many bands do that seamlessly and you don't want to to focus on anything negative um especially when you have so many positive experiences with that person in the past cares if things went bad for a little while that's fine 
let's let's focus on all the positive great years with that person. Ross is a new chapter and we're feeling better than we have in a long, a long time. And uh, that's what this band is on right now. You can feel it, especially with this tour coming up. I hope to be in the audience, mate. Yeah, because it'll be the first time I've seen you. Um, so good luck which, which, with uh, the... Oh, yeah. oh, Brisbane, I'm up here, mate. So Matt's down in Melbourne, I think, isn't he? So he's down there and uh, I'm up here. It's just it's so hard for me to get... I've got two kids, you see, and it's uni and work and all the rest of it. It's bloody hard to get out these days, but I want to, put it that way. Well, you're in the you're, you're in the guest list, so if uh, if you make it, you make it. We'll oh, have a beer together. Oh, that'd be yeah. good. Yeah, no, that it's always good to catch up, mate. It's uh, one thing to uh, do this, mate. It's always good to press the flesh, so to speak, and have a bit of a catch up afterwards. Of caught up with so many yeah. killer bands, man, and and I've said this a few, fair bit on the show, man. But every you guys that come from from America and even the Euro, the Europeans and the Brits and stuff, whenever you come down here, we always have such a good time when you come over. It's always such a pleasure to see you. Yeah, man, it's like I said, man, it's Australia's one of my favorite places to play in the world. And eight years is too long to to wait to come back. And uh, cheers to Matt, man. He because we were, we were uh, this tour was actually scheduled for May of 2020 mm. and it was announced. Are you all set? And had to get canceled, of course. But he kept on saying we're going to postpone it. And throughout the pandemic, every three to four months, I get an email from Matt saying we're going to you know push it back, push it back to this. And I was, I was a new date. It was always a you know, moving goalpost. Um, but then finally, things got normal-ish again, and now we finally come. So, Yeah, I, I can say I've had a couple of interactions with Matt. I've done this with him. I've had an interview with him, but just some of the emails and stuff we've had together. He's one of the genuinely nice guys, and I can't say that about some of them all, to be honest with you, you know, the local promoter scene. But he, uh, he strikes me as a very decent fellow, one of the guys that's doing the right thing. He just loves metal. Yeah, he's a legend, so... Happy to meet him in person. I met him over Zoom, but happy to do it in, in person as well. And his band's playing as well, so it's it's gonna be a fun tour. Yeah, it's a hell of a gig. Yeah, no doubt. I haven't seen yeah. them either. You know, <laughs> oh, fingers crossed, mate. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed, we get there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, look, safe travels. You know, it's uh, you know New England to Australia is pretty bloody far, about as far away as you can get from from each other. So safe travels on that, mate. And I hope uh, that the tour, regardless, I know it'll be a success, but I hope you enjoy yourself with it too. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, thanks for taking the time. Good talking to you. And I'll, Absolutely, I'll, bro. See you in Brisbane. Absolutely. No worries. <laughs> see you then. Love you, Brisbane. Cheers. Wasn't that a fantastic chat with a seasoned veteran? Trevor Phipps from Unearth, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like that chat, there are plenty more just like it over at skiesandguitars.com. Click on the uh, link in the banner. When you go to the website, you'll be taken to a marketplace. Of your choice, if you'd like to download a copy of my book, you can try before you buy as well. And on that note, here is some more information about the book that I've written, Scars and Guitars, Volume 1, Conversations from the World of Heavy Metal and Beyond. And before we go to that, I want to bid you a fond farewell. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I host the Scars and Guitars podcast. It's a very goodbye. Until next time. This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. I've been the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast since 2017. The first musician I interviewed for the show was David Vincent from Morbid Angel, and things have just snowballed from there. In all, I've posted almost 650 podcast episodes featuring conversations with many of the leading lights of rock, heavy metal, and beyond. 
it just got to a point where I thought, I need to write a book about all this, so that's exactly what I did. In Scars and Guitars Volume 1, you'll read a heap of deep reveals and commentary, such as Des Fafara talking about Cold Chamber and why the band will never return. You know, if you're a, a band just starting out, you need to hear me. Do not start a band with partners. Yeah, wise words there. Sage advice, mate, for anybody. Don't ever, because I I can't go do Cold Chamber right now unless I get others involved. Phil Anselmo talks about the episode in his career, which gives him the greatest sense of accomplishment. I think the staying power of the the fans and the staying power of the the songs, you know, whether it's Pantera, Down, or Superjoint, the fans remember the songs. Alex Skolnick from Testament confirms that, yes, Playing the guitar in Ozzy's band is anything but an ordinary gig. Will Silent Oz from Demu Borgir write a book? Pa from Sabaton gives advice to people who want to start a band. Look at the team around you, look at the bandmates. If uh, if the guys want to be on the stage, then it's all cool. If the guys want to be backstage, then it's not going to be cool. Current and former members of Cradle of Filth discuss the band's seminal 90s material. Read about the reaction to George Lynch and Mark from Suicide Silence's comments when they throw shade at then-President Donald Trump. We have this idiotic monster, you know, this egotistical, self-aggrandizing, complete piece of shit in there. I, I, just, I just can't understand how we've gotten to this place. And yeah, we kicked a hornet's nest with Sepultura. Percussive overlord Gene Hoagland talks about recording with Chuck Schuldiner. Chuck was always, um, you know, he, he was, very, you know, very open-minded, and and he was into having his his musicians that were playing with him just reach out for for the best stuff that they had. Phil Campbell from Motorhead discusses what it takes to get sober. John Five answers his critics who dismiss his tenure with Marilyn Manson. You know, my name is John Five, and Manson gave me that name, and um, I had some of the best years of my life in that band and, and learned a lot. And we get the lowdown on Trey Zagtoth from those who would know, including his mother. All across Scars and Guitars Volume 1, there are moments of tension, relief, tragedy, exhilaration, and throughout it all, you'll obtain insight that I believe no one else has managed to obtain from many of your favourite artists. So treat yourself. Scars and Guitars Volume 1 is currently available as an ebook with a print edition on the horizon. Follow the links attached and download a sample. I'm sure you'll be compelled to read the whole book.